Well, there are a few ways to enter into Good Friday, the day that marks Jesus' death on the cross. There is the undeniable component of blood sacrifice or atonement, and that perhaps is the most biblically pronounced way to think about the cross. There's the whole topic of victory. Christus victor was the Latin word for it. The church fathers loved this theme, the idea that Jesus defeats death and hell at its own game. Then there's the whole legal element. So common in all of Paul's letters, Jesus dies in our place, taking on the punishment that we deserve to bring us into union with God the Father. And I think all of these are right. They're all correct. We need each of them. But the one that I'd like to invite you into today is the one that John pushes so hard again and again and again. And it's at the cross is where we see Jesus Christ as king. The cross is the revelation of Jesus as king. And I think everybody wants a king right now. Even in America, where we don't like being told what to do, we want somebody who can figure out what's going on, how to make everything okay, how to end this virus that doesn't seem to give up. We want someone who can fix all of this. We want an authority, someone who can rule and knows more than we do. And in part, that's exactly what Good Friday is about. It's about the king of the Jews, the king who is the perfect image of the invisible God, the king who hangs dying from a cross. And it's for that reason that Jesus is like no king we have ever seen. He is a strange king. Here's what I mean. Some of you have probably seen uh, the painting in the Louvre. I've not. It's one of the largest in their whole collection. It's the coronation of Napoleon. It's enormous. It's 32 feet wide and 20 feet tall. And it was commissioned by Napoleon himself. And it depicts the scene of his coronation day. It's in this incredibly imposing neoclassical style. There are all kinds of famous figures present there. There are consuls and chancellors. There are rulers. There's an Ottoman ambassador in the background. Pope Pius is standing right beside Napoleon. And Napoleon himself is wearing this extravagant robe. It's the coronation robe that a Roman emperor would wear. He's wearing this crown of golden leaves. And what's uh, impressive about the painting is in its neoclassical design, it has these several axis points. It's a kind of symmetry and balance where all of these different focal, focal points are designed to draw you into one focal feature. And that's, of course, Napoleon's face. Every vantage point, if you follow where it leads to the symmetry of the painting, is about Napoleon and Napoleon alone. Apparently, if you look close enough at the painting, you can see how the original painting depicted Napoleon actually with his hands in the air, placing the crown on his own head. So that's one coronation. Let's look at another, the one drawn out in the Gospel of John. Jesus, as we saw last Sunday, on Palm Sunday, enters Jerusalem as the true king. And on Good Friday, we get to see how all of this works out. 
But it's a very different kind of scene. Jesus, like Napoleon to some degree, is acknowledged in this scene by all kinds of earthly powers. But of course, he is eventually condemned. He is escorted, but it's not a train of dignitaries. It's a a band of mockers. Jesus is not carrying a scepter or a sword, but a cross, one that he can hardly carry himself. And his hands, they are also anointed as Napoleon's would have been, but it's not with oil, it's with nails and with his own blood. Jesus is also wearing a robe, a purple one, a tunic, but eventually he's stripped of it naked in front of everyone. Finally, he also does wear a crown, but it's not gold, it's not olive leaves, it's twisted thorns. You see, just like the painting of Napoleon, all the access points of the scriptures, they all point to him lifted up on the cross, pierced and dying as a king. All of the details of this story, even though they are strange, they are undeniably clear in their movement. Jesus is meant to be understood as a king. And so the question is not whether or not Jesus is a king. Pontius Pilate asks that very question. The question truly is, what kind of a king is he and why would you ever worship him? The question has always been this, is Jesus a king for fools or is there more than we can see? So you can see when the Jewish leaders who rejected Jesus, they didn't do it for illogical reasons. They had hundreds of years of instability, exile, destruction, captivity, Ultimately, they found themselves in this subservient coexistence with Rome. And so they wanted and needed a king, a ruler. They wanted to be their own people, removed from the power of the Roman system. And so they expected their coming Messiah to do just that. And they looked back to Solomon and to David and to Joshua as figures of what the kind of king, uh, this kind of king should look like. David was, of course, a warrior, and Solomon built this enormous temple. Joshua brought God's people into the promised land as a great warrior. But what these leaders of Israel failed to realize is that embedded within each of these figures was something that looked very much like Jesus. A ruler who gained and achieved power, not by merit, not by becoming great, by turning the one who, to the one who has real power. David, of course, as you remember, he was a warrior. You'll know his first claim to fame was his defeat of Goliath. But you'll also remember it was not a standard defeat. David was basically a child with a set of stones who eventually cuts off Goliath's head. And he did this because he trusted in God. Solomon, also a great claim great king, famous for establishing Israel and building the temple. But remember, he became a great king because when God offered him anything that he wanted, he didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for an enormous army. He didn't ask for wealth. What he asked for was wisdom. Truly remarkable. Finally, Joshua, the one who brought the Israelites into the promised land, defeating the Amalekites and making a place for Israel He had incredible courage. 
But remember, he wasn't courageous because of his own strength or skill. God chose him to lead Israel because when he went out into the promised land as a spy to discover what it looked like, he saw people that were horrifying. And when he came back to report to his people what they found, he wasn't afraid. He didn't beg to go back to Egypt, but he trusted in God's promises. And so my point here, the common thread in all of this is the way each of these authorities didn't strive for their own power or achievement, but they offered up their lives in service to God, participating in this larger redemptive work that was already in play. Solomon and David and Joshua, they all gave up parts of themselves to be part of God's ongoing work. And so when Jesus hangs on the cross, he is the perfect image of one who rules not by power, not by might, but by throwing himself into the redemptive movement of God. And in this way, the cross is not only where Jesus atones for sin, and it is. It's not only where he defeats death, and it is. It's not only where he stands in our place to receive what we deserve, and it is that. The cross is where we see Jesus crowned as king. You see, it's just like the painting of Napoleon's coronation. Every access point, every balanced detail in all of the scriptures points to this ascent on the throne, the coronation of the crucified Lord. And the reason that you and I want a king like this is because when he ascends the cross, he reveals to us the way he can bend any and all tragedies into God's own purpose of will. There is no nightmare, there is no dream that God cannot write. There is no virus or illness, there is no tragedy that he cannot turn into redemption. You see, Jesus doesn't promise no suffering. He doesn't promise us riches. He simply promises that there is no tragedy beyond the reach of God's redemptive work. And that is good news to a people under affliction. And that's why this Friday is good. And look, I I am not saying that rulers don't matter, that political figures don't matter. They do. I'm only trying to say that they cannot make your darkest nightmares become untrue. But the king on the cross can. You see, the problem with other rulers, it's not that they're not, it's not that they aren't important. It's just that they aren't enough. You see, we all need a king who can atone, who can redeem, who can sacrifice, and who can rule, and who can die. And Good Friday offers us just such a king. There's a famous Baptist African-American preacher, S.M. Lockridge, and he wrote what's one of the greatest sermons of the 20th century. He writes this, The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. 
No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. Do you know him? Look, all the longings that you and I have for control or peace or endurance or hope or rest or joy, those are all longings for a king. What you want, what you need right now is a king, not a political pawn, not some system of legal rights. You need somebody who can transform the darkest into more than you've hoped for. And that, friends, is the king hanging on the cross. This Good Friday, my challenge to you is simple. Worship that king. Kneel in front of that king. Bow your head to that king. Give everything to that king. Have faith in the dying king. This king is the one who covers you with his own blood, and he's the one who gives his life to win you back. If you want peace or hope or a reason to keep going, Hold fast to this king on the cross and follow him. That is our king. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.